This pandemic podcast is made for adults by adults. But come on, we're all in this together. Hey, bunkmates, it's day 79 of lockdown. Welcome to the 10th meeting of Bunker Club a show about two furry partners getting through the coronavirus pandemic together. Together. I'm the Ringtail Radix. And I am Mr. Curl Loki. How are you doing, Loki? I am doing well this morning. Uh, I've had some coffee, had some bagel, um, worked on some notes. I'm ready to record. How about you? How are you doing? Pretty good. I got my daily animal crossing in, did not buy any turnips, but shook a lot of trees, sold a lot of fruit, um, completed the Brachiosaurus, and um, finished our notes for this morning. And they are kind of interesting because for our big 1-0, we've drug the dog out of the first floor bunker and up to the second floor to record with us. So say hi, Doobie. Hi, Doobie. No, don't. Oh, oh, not like that? Okay, sorry. I'm doing fine. Um, I've listened to all these podcasts. Um, I haven't really been a big part of most of them, but now I'm going to get some of my own uh, topics into this conversation and we'll see how this goes. So how about an update from HQ? Receiving headquarters. All right, Doobie, hit us with some questions. Number one, this is for both of you. This this week, uh, or the U.S. this week banned flights from the country that now has the second highest number of coronavirus infections in the world, which is Radix. Brazil. Correct. Man. Did you know that? Yes, I knew that one. It's been going up pretty fast. Uh, I think it's probably expected that um, they're going to leapfrog the U.S. at some point, but... I'm going to say something weird here. Um, Every time I picture a country like that that's like massive in size, I just sort of imagine like what are all the things that I do not understand at all? Like I can picture the U.S. and like where the rivers are in the mountains and I I picture Brazil and I'm like, it's like a amorphous blob and I don't know where anything is on it. (laughs) Like, Yeah, I know there's a big river. And and Rio is like on the ocean, right? Everything's on the ocean. Yeah. And that's, yeah. President Trump threatening to poll the summer's Republican National Convention from which city? Okay. Ooh, city. Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, that's that's correct. That is correct. Um, the Democratic governor there, Roy Cooper, um, still kind of has the state in kind of shutdown mode and wasn't sure if he wanted to allow the convention to continue. I think uh, Trump actually said, like, well, if we're not going to do it there, we're just going to do it in Florida then. So see what happens with that. Look, Charlotte already has the Billy Graham Hall of Fame and a NASCAR track. I don't think they're going to be bummed if they lose the RNC convention. Also, please don't come to Florida. Jesus, it's already a lost cause. You don't need to campaign here. All right. Next question we have here is from the World Health Organization, and they have stopped the uh, experimental trial of which drug that's been touted publicly? Okay hydroxychloroquine you just said that because radix didn't want to say it that's a hundred percent true (laughs) i wanted to see what he would say (laughs) that is is correct i didn't mess up the pronunciation on that one just a little bit more on that um they have their own study going it's about a hundred thousand patients that they're tracking um they haven't really seen anything bad in their study but there's been other studies that have been going on that are maybe a little farther along they're showing a little bit of negative impact so they've kind of just decided to to pull that well, it's also been politicized, so they're like, yeah. we don't want to, we don't want to touch this. That's the thing about 
um, I don't think businesses and and like impartial jurors want to pick sides. So whenever something becomes politicized, it's not like they want to pull ads from people because they have bad views. They want to pull ads from people because they're like, I don't want I don't want to be associated with this. So now that it's become politicized, it's like we'll just go study something else. So I'm up. I'm ahead. Two points. So this last question isn't particularly about the coronavirus. It's uh, actually related to the protests that are currently happening across the country right now. Um, And it's very recent news, so I'm not sure you guys are going to know it, but here we go. The sheriff from which Midwestern city decided to join protesters in marching yesterday? Ann Arbor. I was going to guess Detroit. Close. It's uh, Flint, Michigan. Oh, okay. So um, there's been a number of other cities around the country i think miami and seattle as well where the police force has kind of been with the protesters either kneeling in protest but from what i've been able to gather this is the first one where the sheriff actually joined the protest and had um his his officers actually lay down their protective equipment and march with the protesters that wraps up the questions from hq i think loki won Woo! good hot Thanks, Leroy. Thanks for your input, Leroy. I had you on my side. And now it's time for Bunk Inspection, where we go over what happened last week in the bunker. Yeah, work-wise, nothing much going on. Uh, sent out a few emails trying to get some uh, responses on when we might open things back up or have to come back to the office or whatever and just kind of was like wait and see yeah it is kind of funny how the world in the last couple weeks has seemed to ramp back to normal like really quickly but that has not mirrored at all at work like you still have nothing has changed with your situation the college I work for is still trying to figure out what their baseline plans are going to be for fall Um, and I have no indication of whether I'm going to be asked to continue to work from home for the next three weeks three months or through the rest of the year and it sounds like it might even be up to me and and looking at like months of time compared to just how quickly things have come back it's kind of bizarre yeah so I've been the one that hasn't really been in the bunker all that much Um, good I've been out on the streets driving to work and back every day I have definitely noticed that all the cars are back in the road now. Like traffic, normal 8 a.m. traffic and 5 a.m. 5 p.m. traffic is like it was four months ago. So that's back to normal, which is unfortunate because my commute is like 45 minutes. So it, it was down to like 35 there for a little bit, which was nice. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've noticed that increase on my end for sure. Well, in other news, I finished reading The Two Towers this week. That was cool. Um, The Two Towers is probably my favorite of the books, Um, not my favorite of the movies. Um, But uh, the things that happen in Two Towers book are very interesting to me. And I was happy to get through that and move on to Return of the King. So just yesterday, we finally got back to Resident Evil 5. Uh, We'd been playing that co-op for months and hadn't touched it since March, according to our save files. Um, But we finally finished the game on Veteran. So we've just got to loop back and do it on professional, and then we'll have our like third complete playthrough of Resident Evil 5. Not the best game, but a great co-op experience, and it's funny to watch how it's like gotten better over the years as it's been re-released. Also hit level 80 with my Hughcast and PSO, so still trucking along there, about to hit the 100-hour mark on that character. So uh, it's been a good 
distraction through all of this. In addition to those video games, uh, we also play Halo Weekly, except for last week we decided for some reason to get on to the Spartan Ops missions in Halo 4. Um, it was pretty cool. It was just, they're very hard. So luckily they are... We're playing on Legendary. Yeah, we're, we're playing on the hardest mode there is, but they're very hard, but uh, luckily they're short missions. I mean, some of them only last me five minutes, probably ten at max. Um we got through two chapters, I think, of 10, so we've still got a good ways to go on that, but it's been pretty cool so far. Yeah, I've definitely been enjoying that one. Um, just kind of like you said, they're short, they're sweet. Um, they're a little inconsistent, I think. Um, some of them are very hard, and some of them very easy, um, even on Legendary. There's not a ton of risk, though, right? Like, if you die, you just keep respawning. It's more of a score chase thing, so it, there's not a lot of like anxiety about having to start over or lose progress. Well, I had some excitement this week. I got my haircut for the first time in three months. Um, Dewey was kind enough to get his clippers out yesterday and uh, cut off, I don't know, like multiple inches of hair uh, for my head. It feels amazing. Um, and yeah, I feel like a pound of hair got cut off or something. It's crazy. And like, I mean, I have not ever looked at your head since and thought, oh, something's wrong. Like, it just looks totally normal. So, yay. Well, I finally did blog for the first time in lockdown. Um, it was kind of cheating. It was a blog about why I blog. Um, but uh, but it's got me out of the hole, so I've got a few more articles in the works. I also uh, am down to 100 tweets on Twitter, and I deleted my live journal um, yesterday. Just fun fact, I just discovered last week, live journal was hacked in the mid-2010s. And uh, I guess the dump of user data has been circulating on the dark web for a while, but it got posted publicly finally. And so a lot of the sites that kind of track where credentials have been compromised started alerting people. And so that guy, I've changed my password a number of times since we use one password now. So when we adopted that, I, I had changed it back then. But it got me thinking like, oh, if I'm pruning my social media and technical debt, like I might as well tackle LiveJournal. So I pulled out some important classic journal entries and um and stuck those in a file and then deleted the journal so one less thing uh out there to worry about and uh hopefully at some point soon i'll be doing a blog article on just sort of what i found from twitter and live journal in my past so super exciting super exciting on my end is i've updated my wardrobe a little bit i don't think many of us have really spent a whole bunch of money during lockdown so the credit card was kind of pretty low for the last few months so i decided to go ahead and get um a couple more pants for work and some shirts they're they're more hiking pants and hiking shirts which is nice because they're really breathable and i i need to be in hot environments sometimes and i can't really go out and i can't really go out and walk like at work except like on concrete so having something that's long pants or like a long shirt button up but that's breathable i'm hoping is going to make that a little bit easier he bought grandpa shirts. Yep, I did. Overall, uh, I think it it sounds like a pretty normal week at this point. Um, I will say I still feel like simplifying the week in general has led to a lot more time focused on the things I want it to be. Like I think a normal week in January or February would have been overwhelmed by work drama or work thought and I would come home and maybe not actually fire up that video game I wanted to play or... Um, work on that project I wanted to work on. So I feel like that is still at an all-time high for normal weeks. But in general, 
it feels like the sensation of this is an opportunity to 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 um to have constraints that force you to action has kind of dissipated at this point yeah i mean i think i'm kind of without work um kind of running out of things that are like of super interest or just things that like excite me like i mean obviously i've been enjoying reading and i've been enjoying playing games and stuff like that but it's just kind of like i don't really have that like challenge and mental stimulation that comes from like you know interesting projects at work or interesting problems or that kind of thing so or even knowing you're like helping somebody right right and i think from my side um having to go to work every day and then come home to a house where you guys maybe haven't had the most activity is is a little different because i'm like okay finally i can like do something and you guys are like yeah i mean there's nothing we really want to do now because we've done it all day i'm like cool all right (laughs) but we're we're managing like i said we're still getting some fun stuff done um but i am looking forward to things kind of maybe ramping up some of the normal stuff we used to do on the weekends get out a little bit more when it feels safe and hopefully not as hot but with summer coming on that's a low hope so before we move on uh did anything interesting happen in the video game world this week no well i'm going to make you talk about video games for the next 30 seconds anyway go all right well sony announced they're having a ps5 press conference on thursday at 1 p.m eastern uh some uh shocking revelations i expect to see are a silent hill reboot uh, perhaps a Demon Souls remake because it's the only thing they own the IP for. I'm looking for Ratchet & Clank 2. The PS4 version was amazing. Don't see why they wouldn't continue. I also expect to see some PS4 remasters of like God of War or Horizon, something to show off how much better it is than the PS4. I think they're going to have disappointing backwards compatibility, load time demonstrations. I think the consoles... And that's it. Mm, okay. Permission to speak further, sir. 10 second extension granted okay fine i think the console is going to look like a box i don't think it's going to look like fancy like everybody thinks and i don't think they're going to show a price or release date all right that's it that's it we'll see it's an exciting time okay time for this week's scuttlebutt which this week will just be updates on life I think we haven't really hit the pause button and thought about kind of what the bigger picture looks like for us right now and uh, with a guest on the podcast and with us looking to kind of slow things down in the future, um, I thought it'd be a good time to zoom out and kind of just talk about the big picture. Who wants to start? I mean, I think I can start. I think just I feel like things have kind of developed into like a new routine and I think we've touched on that, you know, a couple times, but it's just like Routine can be good in that there's structure, but at the same time, it's like, I know that on any given day, it's just like, it doesn't feel like things are really changing and it just kind of feels like stuck inside, stuck doing the same things. Now it's hot and can't go outside and walk. You know, it's just, it's kind of disheartening sometimes. Yeah. And by hot, um, I think we cannot underscore how uncomfortable it has become here. I mean, it's basically June. Um, it's Florida, right? It has been warm. I, I got a notice in Animal Crossing today, like, oh, it's almost June. It's going to start warming up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we, we're like two months ahead of that. Um, we would normally get up, eat breakfast. I'd do my daily and we'd go walk. Now, by then, at 9.15, it's too hot. 
And unfortunately, I think that's one of the bad things about this routine is like we had routines that encouraged exercise before and my exercise has seen like a pretty massive drop off. Although I think our eating habits have also kind of waned as well. I think my daily calorie intake is still, you know, two to 300 less a day than it was prior because we just don't eat out as much. Yeah. So as I kind of touched on before, um, my normal day to day habits haven't changed all that much. It's really just been like the afternoon where, you know, I would usually head home from work and maybe we would we'd meet out somewhere to go eat and we would all catch up on the day together uh, and then walk around a good bit and then head home. And that was like, you know, we would get home at seven or eight and that was our night. Now it's like I get home at six or quarter to six. There's not really much of a catch up. And it's just like, it's the night now. Are we going to do anything? Are we not going to do anything? It's usually pretty relaxed, so it's been different kind of transition into that. You know, one of the coronavirus symptoms is loss of taste, and I think we've been experiencing that a bit mentally. Like, a lot of uh, what was interesting and, and flavorful about the day came from work or things we were doing or things we were pursuing, right? And with the inability to go out and meet with people and really do anything, um, the routine has just become, like, much less interesting days in general, and I think that leads to uh, less of a motivation to, you know, uh, engage with creative pursuits or something because you just, in general, feel like less energy to to focus on that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and like I kind of mentioned earlier, I think just being excited for things, you know, when you don't have that kind of like break that comes from like work or like you're challenged or having interesting things to work on, it's like being excited for a game well, you know, it's not as exciting or as intriguing as it might have been otherwise, or, you know, being excited to try to come up with something new to do also very difficult. Yeah, I think there's like a little guilt or something involved there too. Like, I should be getting excited about my projects or moving on with my life or work, but instead all I'm getting excited about is video games. And like, that's actually fine. But I think just personally, it's very hard to do that and then not think like you're you're being irresponsible or something. Um but how, like, how's your family doing? How's, what's, what's, what's news from rural Illinois? Well, um, it kind of sounds like Pittsfield is getting back to normal. Um, for the most part, um, they're still, um, not allowed to like have people in restaurants and everything. Actually, one of the restaurants in the square in Pittsfield, um, that my mom frequents, they just recently, um, they closed down the street in front of the restaurant and put out a big tent with tables so people could eat outside. So it's kind of neat to know that, you know, a small town is coming up with creative ways to, you know, kind of get people back to business and everything. I saw um, that the local newspaper is going to run. They have like a bingo card thing with like business names on it. So I'm assuming there'll be some sort of like go in and spend five dollars here and get your punch on this bingo card or something like that to just try to like incentivize people to go back to these businesses. But, um, I mean, it sounds like my mom, um, mostly still just stays inside. She goes to get food or goes to get coffee or whatever, but, um, it sounds like she's saying safe. So I don't worry too much about her, which is good. <laughs> I think that's been the thing about real America right now too, is them. I mean, maybe we see it as them not taking it as seriously, but in all reality, like their problem to solve is a lot smaller than a big city is you know if they do have an outbreak their big issue is the capacity can to control it via you know hospital beds but their ability to control it should be a lot easier it's like yeah keep these 5,000 people home okay not keep these 500,000 people home or a million people home yeah there's also just like a lot less diversity in those towns so you know if their major economic engine is impacted somehow then there's like no way around that 
right? And I think, like, at least in Pittsfield, I remember it being a very social place. So for them just, like, switching that off for the foreseeable future is, like, that is the point of that town almost. Um, I'm also from a fairly small town in Michigan, um, about three to 5,000 people. Um, they've been more impacted by the regulations and guidelines put out by the state versus what I feel like they would normally do, um, which I think is probably good. So they've, you know, been able to keep cases very, very low. But recently, their bigger issue has been flooding. So they've had, um, I think a week ago now, um, six inches of rain in a few hour period uh, that overflowed um, dams that are 100 years old. Two of them collapsed or didn't collapse, but overflowed. Um, and that caused a whole lot of damage. Luckily, no injuries, no deaths, nothing like that. But my parents live about three miles from the river, so they were kind of a little nervous. Um, they're not people to like super, super freak out, but they just kind of said, I guess we're leaving. So they went up north, they did their thing, they came back. <laughs> the two reservoirs, which used to be lakes, are empty now. It's just mud and old trees that used to be sitting at the bottom of a lake. Yeah, I think uh, reality has a way of asserting itself is kind of a good way to put what we're going through now, what we might see in the future, and sort of how quickly we have turned the corner from everything is about coronavirus to we cannot afford to think about coronavirus anymore, both from like a mental health perspective and just because humans can't focus on boring topics for too long. Like like your brain just doesn't have a way to, to do that. Um, but also like natural disasters and protests and, you know, like things are going to move on whether we want them to or not, um, which I think does kind of suck in, in a way. Like it's nice that we can keep going, but the like the virus is still out there and it's still like a risk and seeing all of these people um congregating everywhere just weeks later is like not i mean his reality is going to assert itself in for in terms of the virus as well and it's almost like people have already just sort of made peace with like yep there'll be a second wave and there's nothing we can do about it and i'm just going to go on with my life yeah i mean i think you see that in like you know, last weekend there was all those people at the party in like Lake of the Ozarks and then they found out that, yep, somebody tested positive and now it's just going to be like spreading, you know, and it's like you've got all the people that came to see the uh, rocket launch at uh, Titusville yesterday. It's like, you know, somebody's going to have tested positive in that group and it's just like all these things are out there, but people just don't seem to care. It's like their attention span is too short to focus on the virus now. It's um, it's like you said, you know, with the protests and we'll have the election coming up and, you know, even just their normal everyday lives are going to start asserting themselves over their their fears over the coronavirus. And, you know, for us, it's going to take longer maybe for that to happen. But, you know, once somebody says like, hey, you got to go back to the office or, hey, you got to do this or, you know, or we start feeling just like weary of the constant um, vigilance over it, you know, we're going to probably fall prey to the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you from my side, having not been really locked up, you know, and having to go to work the whole time, it's just become normal again. I mean, it's not like there are, it's not like we're not taking it seriously. It's just there's only so much of your mental energy you can focus on it when you do need to keep living. You know, you do need to keep going to work. You're being safe, but there's things that still need to get done. So I'm still keeping clean at work. Uh, we're still segregating all of our shifts. Um but it's not like we just said, everything stops, life can't happen until this is over. Yeah, I think that's one thing I 
have kind of come to terms with is like I think it was very easy to wrap your mind around like we're just going to stop for a while and like everybody's not going to do anything and now that we have a handle on where we're testing how we're testing how many people are getting tested what what is the test positive rate it's just going to move on even if things go bad like I, I even if there is a second wave even if it's worse than the first wave people are not going to go back to lockdown they're just going to be like I don't care and move on right but I think that's only from like a work perspective, like even the college I work at, they are, you know, um, recognizing that like if they reopen in the fall and someone gets the virus at school, like they're not going to be able to shut down the school. They're going to just have to have a contingency plan in place ahead of time to say, if this dorm gets the virus, then this is the plan we will take. Or if this, you know, but but I think that like what people are discounting is sort of the second layer effect of that. If work gets back to normal, but childcare centers or schools aren't open, then like people can't go back to work. So there's more to the story than just it being reasonable or safe to go back to work. There's like a whole network of services and uh, amenities that have to be there to facilitate the way we worked before. So unless there's like a major upheaval and permissiveness about work from home that like I think we all thought might happen, but like as fast as we're getting back to work, it's like, I don't really know if people are going to stop and think about that. I know at the college, there is a lot of discussion about that, but that's because of the size of the workforce, you know, Um, people want some reassurance that they can like move on and make choices about their life and not just be like free floating for the next several months, wondering if they're going to get called in or not, or have to go home or not. And I think that extends, you know, beyond work, just looking for that clarity or looking for that, um, you know, kind of like lack of uncertainty is like, like we've talked about before, you know, wanting to move this year and, you know, having kind of not really knowing what's going on out in the world and how employers are going to treat this. It's like, it's, you know, it's scary to think about getting a new job right now. And like, you know, are they going to offer health insurance? You know, when would that kick in? Like, you know, um, what is the work situation going to be like? I can... You know, I'm thinking about like, well, if I got a new job, would I be working remotely? Would I have to go in for some sort of training or like, would it all be like over online? Like just how would that even, how would that even work? So, you know, just, I think, you know, like uh, the uncertainty surrounding all of this just makes the future so unclear. Yeah. I know a friend that just recently got a pretty lucrative tech job in California. And even after that, he signed the paperwork for the offer they still don't know if he's going to come in for training or it's going to be remote for several months like they nobody really knows how to handle this even for big silicon valley you know tech companies yeah and even at a company like mine that's still open and has been open through all this there's still a lot of unanswered questions i mean we're we're in the medical field but over 50 percent of our business was um, producing um, equipment for elective elective surgeries so a lot of that was put on hold or went away for a while. A lot of our other um, devices that are maybe used for lung surgery or spe- or things that are specifically affecting this virus increased a lot. So we had a weird shift of, okay, these people on these shifts go down a lot, but then these people on the other shift go up a lot. So we still have a lot of questions with you know my coworkers or people at the company in general that they don't know what's going on in the near future either. So it's not... It's not just these people that are trying to get like businesses started up again. People that have been going through this whole thing have a lot of un- un- unanswered questions. Yeah, and I think from an emotional standpoint, like where I'm at right now, I think that's what I'm worried about is that um, not everybody has the same life goals. And we picked some 
and we are chasing them. And I just hope that these businesses recognize that like not everybody's trying to get back to the point where they can send their kids to daycare or school and that's just good enough. Like we are trying to move on. We are trying to do something more interesting. We're trying to buy a house eventually again. Like, and in the meantime, we're just sitting on the sidelines like atrophying and I'm worried that my skills are gonna start to lax. I mean, I, re- I just really need some kind of clarity about how the world is going to work to be able to move forward. And I understand there's no reason to have that expectation anytime soon, um, but I just hope the goalpost is not like, can we just do business the way we used to? Because that's not good enough. Like, obviously a lot of people do not like the way we did business in the past. So what about you guys? How are you feeling just day to day? I mean, I think on a day-to-day basis is like there are good times and there are ups and there's downs, but for the most part, I just, I think things feel kind of stagnant and I think things feel like it's a hard hurdle to kind of overcome. Like I said before, to be excited about anything or think of anything new and interesting to do when it's like you don't have that kind of mental uh, stimulation in other parts of the, of your life. So it's, yeah, you know, I want to move, but thinking about where to move or thinking about a new job that like excites me or like interests me is very difficult when, you know, I don't know what that even looks like. And um, so I just end up kind of like, well, I'll just read or I'll just watch something on TV. So yeah, on my side, I mean, as far as I'm feeling, I'm, I'm glad I'm in the medical field. I'm glad I have a job still. Very glad I quit my last job because half of those people got fired. <laughs> um, or I guess let go. Um, and, and it's nice to be in a situation now where I feel like I have more options, which is extremely privileged of me to say. But I do think the medical field's probably going to grow a good bit after this, um, which gives me options to move to other cities, pursue other jobs. Um, and in the meantime, though, things are incredibly busy. I mean, I'm working on three concurrent projects. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. We've hired four new people during this coronavirus. I mean, like project managers, engineers, you know, high paying people during all this. So things are going strong there, which is a little stressful at times, but we'll get through it. I think where it kind of leaves me is just that like the things that I used to do to contribute were already pretty low stakes. I mean, we're making a podcast for just a handful of people. I'm writing a blog for me and some of my close friends. I'm working on some apps for work that affect a couple hundred customers at most, you know. Um, I take a lot of pride in those things, but they're all pretty low impact, which is fine. I have a lot of pursuits and I can't put all my eggs in one basket, but this kind of new future looks like almost like a, a pressure on top of all of that, making them feel even less relevant. And so I think just in general, I, I'm having trouble picturing a future where I'm effective or fulfilled. And um, that's probably going to be my struggle through the summer is just trying to figure out who am I and like what value do I actually give and how will that steer my job search in the cities I want to move to or um, what do I want to do while there's just so much risk and potential um, in the air. Yeah, I think, um, you know, going forward for me to be kind of happy or fulfilled, you know, one, I'm going to have to have a job that's like challenging and interesting again. Uh, Maybe that's public accounting. Maybe that's something else. Who knows? But having clarity going in, what is this job going to look like? What are the expectations? What are my expectations? Because I just, I do, I draw a lot of pride and personal satisfaction from the job that I have and the work that I'm doing. And am I helping people? So it's like, 
it seems like that is like the key part to me. Like if I have a job that is challenging, then it kind of leads to me being more interested in things outside of the job. So, so I think what it's going to take for me to, you know, make that jump to a new job or a new city is just kind of knowing that, you know, I can find something fulfilling and I can find something that's going to challenge me again. Yeah, I think um, where in the past before this stuff, we might have wanted to take the risk, move and just see what happens. I think it's probably become too risky to do that, right? That maybe our angle now is going to have to be pretty traditional. Like we're going to have to apply and make calls and get things lined up before we move, Um, which in a way is good because while that traditional approach has been pretty intimidating for me, I think now businesses are probably going to be a lot more amicable to that. They're not going to expect you to move ahead of time. Like everybody is going to be in that position now. So um, yeah, job search incoming, I think. We'll see. Despite all the challenges we have ahead of us, we are going to think about something positive, strictly positive right now. It's time for care packages. Uh, This week we've got three, so we'll keep them on the shorter side, and I'm going to ask Doobie to go first. Doobie, what did you bring as your care package? All right. um, I brought hiking. I know we've had walking, I believe, on the podcast before. I feel like there's kind of a big difference, at least to me, with hiking. Um... It's a great way to get some exercise, but also get outside and just relax. Um, it's not always the easiest thing in Florida here, uh, but I think when we, or at least the three of us, we think of hiking, we're thinking the mountains, the Blue Ridge, um, somewhere just out and about and just being in nature. You know, I, I think some of the hikes we've enjoyed too haven't been the ones that like, oh, look at this amazing view or this amazing waterfall. It's just, there's no one around you're in the woods, you're smelling fresh air, and you're just liking seeing cows. And seeing cows. Um, I also feel like it's maybe gotten a lot popular over the last three months, which it's good and bad, but I guess we'll see how that, that works uh, this fall if we're able to get hiking up in the mountains. Yeah, I'm with you. I always enjoy uh, heading up to the mountains and being around as few people as possible. I hate people. I hate people. <laughs> I hate most people. Yeah, well, there's just something nice to... to. It's, like, predictable. Like, I'm going to go enjoy nature, and I don't have to worry about someone else ruining it for me, right? Unless Except there's me. Bluetooth speakers. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> technically, hiking and walking are different exercises on the Apple Watch, so I will allow it. What did you bring, Loki? Well, I decided to dust off the card boxes this week and bring in collectible card games. Anybody who's played a a CCG for any length of time, you know, generally has just stacks upon stacks of boxes that they uh, that they keep with old card games in them. Um, We don't. We do not. Um, (laughs) I used to. But um, yeah, I mean, I discovered collectible card games when I was uh, a teenager, Uh, started off collecting them, um, Star Trek and Star Wars specifically. And then when um, the Lord of the Rings card game came out at the time of the movies, I started playing that, met a lot of cool friends um, who got me into other card games um, like Game of Thrones and Call of Cthulhu and Spycraft. Um, So I had a lot of fun there. And then when I left uh, mid-Missouri, I kind of got away from it for a a little bit um, until we discovered the My Little Pony card game. um, And we played that, you know, 
fairly seriously for a good while and had a lot of fun with that met a lot of cool people there um hello brian that was very enjoyable for us for a good few years um and you know kind of seeing that one go away was a little sad um but you know we play some stuff casually now like pokemon and i found the lord of the rings online so yeah i just think that um it's a good way to um, meet people um, especially if you're not like generally you know good at meeting people to begin with um like i said i met a few friends through there and it's been a lot of fun so what's this latest on the my hero uh like what is it universes Universes. yeah yeah um it was supposed to um come out at the end of may but i think because of uh the coronavirus it has been postponed to the end of june so we'll see if it's um, actually going to come out or not yeah we Uh, played a preview of it at gen con and i won one game in the uh the pre-release tournament i lost my game my one game in a single elimination tournament to a guy that had been like world champion in the previous game system. So I didn't feel too bad. Um, but yeah, oh, was... I lost to him as well. Yeah. You we lost... lost to the same person. Yeah. yeah. He was nice though. So that was cool. But yeah, like a lot of card games, um, you meet people that even if you lose, you know, you still meet some nice people. What did you bring this week? So mine's a little more abstract and, uh, I don't want this to sound preachy, uh, but my care package is attentive coworkers. Um, you really don't know how important that is until you've had a lot of them. Um, but I think the simple fact of work is that people can care as much or as little as they want, and there's almost nothing you can do about it. The last chance you have to really make a good decision about whether the person is going to be a good fit is when you hire them. And after that, you know, no matter how flexible the job is, it's very difficult to justify getting rid of people unless they do something egregiously bad. And so I think everybody knows that, right? I think every day they go to work, they know that they can slack or they can give it their all. They can be flexible or they can be a pain. And I always kind of strove to be a person that cared. Um, The motivation I get is mostly from supporting the people that rely on whatever service I'm offering. And so I tend to not care as much about my peers and superiors and the organization as long as I know I like I'm giving good service to the people that rely on me. Um, And I think uh, over the years, like I've just noticed that the passion and selflessness and uh, flexibility that attentive coworkers provide is like a lot more rare than I thought it was. And uh, it might just be my industry. I'm sure it varies like from region to region, industry to industry. But um, yeah, I'm just, you know, it all, there always seems to be just one person who, you know, on your team, you know, you can rely on, you know, is not going to question you a thousand times when you ask a favor and is going to listen and get the point and be able to like run with something without you having to tell them what to do every five minutes. If there's anything I could put as a requirement or a wish for a new job, it would just be to have more of those people around because, yeah, when when, when you don't have the support, when you are one of those people and you don't have the support of others like you around you, then you are the odd one out. You are the one who's not slacking. You are the one who's making everyone look bad. Um, so I just, yeah, I'm very thankful for it. I'm very thankful when I see coworkers being attentive, paying attention going out of their way to make sure things work on time and and come in, you know, according to plan. Um, I know they don't have to. 
and I know it's just because they want to do a good job or they're motivated um, to care, and uh, it's it shows a lot about their character, and I I just I don't know I appreciate that more than <laughs> it really does sometimes make the difference between whether all the work I put in succeeds or fails, or if I come away from the workday happy or upset. Yeah, I'm with you. I had a lot of those kind of coworkers. I think at my previous job um so that even when things were kind of bad or stressful or whatever it's like you at least knew like everybody was kind of all on the same page and everybody was putting in a lot of the same kind of effort but you know now it it does feel like you know you have a lot of types of variation in the different departments that I you know have to correspond with and different motivations and everything so yeah it just that makes all the difference in the world sometimes I agree what about you Doobie you have like a very different kind of... Yeah, I think the industry I've been in in general, which uh, if I had to put it in a bubble, would be manufacturing. Um, in that industry, jobs are ve- or job titles or responsibilities are very, very fluid. Um, it's not as rigid as maybe some other companies. So it's nice to find the people that don't always just rely on like one person to do like problem solving. They actually want to learn like, oh, okay, that's actually why I need to do this, or oh, that's how they get that gets fixed, or oh, that's why this is a big problem. I think that's been the thing that I've seen on my side that's more important to me, um, which is the same sort of thing. It's attentive people, but it's people that want to understand why things are happening versus just being like, there's that person that fixes it, and he's over there, and, you know. Yeah. Their focus is on the work when they're at work instead of on what I'm going to do tonight after work. And, and, like, that's fine. You could have a bad job. You, you could have a situation where the work doesn't deserve your attention. But like when you have peers and you choose to think about yourself, you're like choosing to make life worse for them. At my last job, kind of like what you were saying, um, what I tried to do for a big part of it, especially when I knew I wasn't going to be there super long, was what can I do to make the operators and the shift leaders lives as good as possible? Like how can I improve their quality of life while at work? Hopefully it's still helping the company too, but it's making sure that like they know that they're valued because I mean, they're the ones that are making everything, right? They're the ones that make the business work and the ones getting paid the least. Yep. That's how it works. What's on deck for you, Loki? Well, uh, with it being the beginning of the month, uh, next week, um, we'll have some sales tax returns, either the end of this coming week or beginning of the next week. Um, probably be doing more reading. Uh, I want to finish Return of the King, play more games, Mario Maker, PSO. Sounds yeah. like the last four episodes. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Um, continuing to watch Clone Wars. I have three seasons left. It's gotten very good. I'm very into it. And it's supposed to be a little bit cooler Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So maybe uh, getting out on the bike after dinner on Tuesday night or something like that would be cool. What's on the agenda for you? Well, um, just for this upcoming week, I'm very excited about the Sony press conference. Um, Me? Okay. Hey, Radix here. Uh, Sony actually postponed their event. Uh, right after we recorded, so sorry, uh, no new date, but it's coming at some point. It it is very interesting to me as a lifelong video game fan to see the org uh, the the industry kind of homogenize over the last couple console life cycles, right? Like you could play any game on any console, and it kind of felt the same with some exclusives. Now you're seeing real risks being taken. Sony is taking a very traditional, top down 
glitz and glamour approach with a very narrow focus on like traditional delivery of video games and then you have microsoft who's taking a very open transparent kind of like um wide view where they're releasing on all systems there's really not a sense of an exclusive anymore they have this game subscription they're doing live streams from people's houses it's just like it's so good to see that like even with two big players pushing the limits of the industry it's good to see that Nintendo's still healthy. It's good to see Microsoft is like responding to criticism and taking a lot of risks. And it's good to see that they're pushing Sony to kind of keep on top of their game. So it's like the first time you've really seen everybody at the top of their game doing something very different. Yeah, other than that, I mean, just lots of games, lots of things trying to keep us busy. It's going to get hotter in Florida, so we're just going to kind of keep our head down. I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to put more effort into looking to the future of like where can i apply and what kind of skills might i be missing try to get those certs that i'm working on they keep getting rescheduled the testing centers keep closing um trying to find a way around that um and as soon as i can get that done i'll i'm gonna make myself a little elevator pitch i might even record a video for my portfolio and just kind of turn my attention more toward you know the future so for me uh i've got a I mean, it's a lot of work-related stuff. I've got a project wrapping up for a um, component for robotic lung surgery. It's a new product development. So we're, that should be wrapping up next week, actually. Happy to get that done. Right after that, I'm jumping into another one, which is a, um, a project we're trying to eliminate a possible carcinogenic from a endotracheal tube. Those have kind of been a big issue right now, too, uh, especially with uh, coronavirus stuff. So we've ramped up those quite a bit. Um, outside of work and kind of looking into the future, I'm really hoping I can actually plan a hiking trip, you know, maybe solo, solo one, uh, an overnighter or something where I can get away for, uh, an extended weekend and just kind of see some, some trails I haven't seen before. So sounds cool. Well, if no one has any more business, I officially adjourn today's 10th meeting of Bunker Club. Um, you can still get in touch with us on Twitter or Telegram at Bunker Club Pod or via email at Bunker Club Podcast at iCloud.com. Um, we are going on a hiatus for a bit. I don't know when we will be back with a second season. We had always intended this to be a temporary endeavor. Like, I, I mean, we are setting aside a lot of time every week to, to work on this, and it's been fun. Um, but I think, as everybody has noticed, we don't really need as much a distraction or a encouragement as a as a society i think we've kind of found the ways to deal with things so um we will be back maybe as a a twice monthly or once monthly podcast maybe a different format maybe a different name um but we're gonna let the world shake out a little bit we're gonna collect some interesting things to talk about and then we will let you know when we'll be back so it has been extremely fun and i hope to put out some kind of survey um before our next episode to just kind of get a sense of what our listeners like and don't like about the podcast and some of the ideas that we've had that we've never been able to stick into an episode like that you might want to see or hear from us on okay anything else you want to add uh no i think you pretty much covered it you know it has been a lot of fun um doing this and recording and i'm looking forward to seeing where we take things from here and uh thanks for letting me be part of one of these i know i was for a little bit on the first episode but it's been nice to kind of be be here for the whole experience so thanks you're welcome it's been nice to have you not leroy (laughs) sorry all right well thank you for coming to bunker club we are no longer trapped inside um, but we are all still in this together Keep washing your paws, and we'll see you sometime. Bye. Bye.